Hello, hello, and welcome to Applies Job Bytes. We're a podcast that covers jobs, job searching, the job application process, career growth and development, and almost everything in between. Our show is sponsored by Apply.io, the free browser extension that helps you apply to jobs with a single click and writes really good cover letters for you using AI. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Applies Job Bytes. I'm Jean, your host. And with me today is Peter. Peter, you're a prolific writer. You've covered a lot of deep and interesting topics related to performance and careers. You are also an NLP expert. And there's a lot of our listeners that have maybe heard of NLP, but aren't quite sure what it is or, uh, or why they should be interested. So, so why should someone care about NLP? <laughs> That's a very interesting question because I, I did a, a, a presentation at a, at a group up in Manchester a few years back that was entitled, Why Should You Care About NLP? And the, and the short answer is you shouldn't really, but what you should care about is anything that's going to improve the quality of your relationships, of your communication, your ability to focus and get what you want out of life. We're, we're born with a certain set of faculties, skills that are shared with with pretty much every human being on the planet. So we're born with no innate advantage. And we learn a language often by accident, unless we go on and learn a second language at college or later in life. We learn language by accident. We learn behavior by accident. We learn how to have relationships by accident by watching our parents. And that doesn't always mean that the things that we learn by accident are really going to serve us in life, especially because the world around us is changing so fast. Who could have imagined just a year ago that we'd be in the position that we're in now with the, the lockdown across the world and the pandemic and the political upheavals and climate change and all this sort of stuff going on. So I think there's there's a very important point around adaptability to change, around updating your updating your life skills and your communication and your interpersonal skills because we're not in a world that's standing still. And if we're talking in terms of you know, a competitive market, jobs, for example, getting a job, the career that you want, or even starting your own business, there's got to be something that you can do that's going to stand you out from other people around. And uh, and so I think anything that you learn that's going to give you an advantage, that's going to help you with that is going to be very important. NLP just happens to be one thing that you can learn that will give you that, that happens to be very straightforward, very practical, I find things that you can pick up and use right away hmm. and you'll see immediate results in in relationships and goal setting and so on in terms of one's expectation if they're if to start looking into nlp and they get curious about it and they start learning about it what is the end bottom line sort of outcome and improvement in your communication and ability to kind of connect and relate to people what is that like sort of what is the end sort of benefit that you uh, that you get out of it I think it's it's different for different people, obviously, depending on what they're looking for and, and where they are in their lives. But I think for most people, it's definitely improved interpersonal relationships and communication, greater clarity and greater uh, alignment and, and purpose behind communication. One of the things that, that we that we have as human beings is incredibly sophisticated communication systems. We can communicate multiple messages at the t same time. We can easily say yes and no at the same time. And those mixed messages create confusion. They can lead to conflict. So just clarity around that, clarity around what it is that you want and self-awareness of what it is that you want and knowledge that it's okay to want it. Um, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get it, 
But uh, often in life, especially as children, we get judged for the things that we want and, you know, for being needy or putting ourselves before others or for, you know, for being demanding or whatever. Um, mm. And actually, as long as you're not disadvantaging other people and you're respectful of other people and your relationships with other people, then why wouldn't you get what you want out of life? It's your life and you're only going to live it once. Why wouldn't you get want what you want and that be okay as long as it's not to the detriment of anyone else i think it's one of those things that sounds like a little bit of a no-brainer and everyone kind of thinks that they communicate clearly but you know in in reality there's very few cases that you're trying to say something and it couldn't be made even more clear and even more simple or at least that you're if it's not clear and simple you're doing that consciously rather rather than unintentionally for example, when I host these these interviews, I often find that one of my one of my major faults is that I will I will say the same thing two or three times in a different way for no good reason. Like you know, my my, my guest understands what I'm asking. I only needed to say that one way. I don't know why I'm now asking or repeating it two or three ways or providing ten examples instead of two or three. So it it sounds like a a, a simple and straightforward thing, but it's often not like the vast majority of people that I meet and speak to could be clearer. They could improve their communication. Yeah, definitely. And we're always listening to ourselves as communicating. We're judging ourselves. We're second guessing ourselves. We're thinking, oh, no, that sounded wrong. I need to say that a different way. Or we're judging the look on the other person's face and thinking, oh, they didn't understand. And a lot of people have been working from home or working remotely on furlough, all these sorts of things and communicating with colleagues and friends and family through through video, through things like Zoom and Skype and so on. And, um, and with only limited communication, we're getting limited feedback that lets us know that the other person understood what we were saying. So that's making it harder as well. And even when you're face to face, you're not always going to read somebody's feedback um, appropriately, especially if that's somebody that you've you've not interacted with before. So we're in, especially in, in the sort of careers that many people are doing, we're thrust ever more into a situation where we're having to interact with more and more different people for short periods of time and to be able to adapt and to read people and to figure out what's going on. And, and as you said, not to not to maybe confuse things or repeat yourself. It's definitely a skill, a skill that can be improved. Definitely. It's something that we all have learned from birth. But we, as I said earlier, we've, we've learned it by accident and we can definitely get better at it. It sounds like this is something that's probably therefore fundamentally beneficial to the job search process, right? Mm. There's a there's so many touch points at which, I mean, you might define that entire process as, as a communication process, but if not, then there's just so many, there's so many touch points at which it really does come down to the communication. So is it safe to say that looking into NLP is something that could help someone who's currently looking for work? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting that you talk about touch points, because I guess most people are going to go the route of looking for job adverts, applying for jobs, going through a recruiter, going through a multi-stage interview process. And potentially at each of those points, they're being evaluated by somebody different. And so the, obviously, as I'm sure many of your guests have said, the, by far the best way for you to, to get a, a job or you know, change of career is to build your network and connect directly with the decision makers and the hiring manager and find out what it is that they want because the recruiter wants something different. The recruiter wants to look like they're doing an amazing job as a recruiter. They're not hiring for the same criteria as the hiring manager are, but they will give clues in the way that they write the advert, in the way that they write emails, 
uh, the way they present themselves, even how they write stuff on their website if it's a recruitment company. They will give away clues about what it is that they are looking for and evaluating, and you can use those clues to tailor your, your approach and your communication. One of the most obvious things, of course, is that the recruiter is looking to tick some boxes which allow them to reject the vast majority of candidates. So it's, you know, how do you figure out what it is that they're looking for in order to get through that? If you're going to pick up the phone and speak to them, how can you kind of test that out with them? Um, and the same with the hiring manager, building a relationship very quickly, building trust, getting them to see that, yeah, see potential in you, I think, to see that, yeah, okay, maybe not the finished article, but this is somebody we can work with. This is somebody who's going to fit into the team, those sorts of things. And one of the reasons for this is that the things that, that hiring managers are really looking for in terms of somebody who's going to fit into the team, they find it incredibly difficult to describe or, or articulate. So they'll know it when they see it, but they can't describe it and put it into a job advert. Uh, and often people are, are hiring or making decisions on very personal biased reasons as well, which by law they can't put into the job advert. So we've got all of these sorts of touch points or, or barriers or obstacles that we've got to get past. And I think NLP definitely is is one way of, of systematically understanding where where the person's coming from, what's going on in their mind, and being able to tune your, your uh, communication accordingly. And you'll do that naturally anyway. I mean, when you're meeting, you go to a party or a networking event, you're meeting people, your voice tone is adjusting, you, you're selecting from interest, you're looking for agreement, you're looking for common ground, you're trying to find something that you can have a shared interest and talk about. So you're doing that naturally anyway, when somebody else is giving you very overt clues about what it is they're interested. But if you have to go digging for those clues, it's not so easy. And, and yeah, definitely there's uh, there are aspects of NLP to do with mm. communication and language. That's not all of it, but there are aspects of it which are very valuable in that, yeah. And continuing on that thread of, of communication, I see something that you've clearly developed a personal mastery of is writing. You're a prolific writer and you've got many books to your name. And one of the topics that I've seen you write about a few times is how you've developed a kind of a, a system for applying models to processes or to achieve a certain outcome. Like I've read your pieces on, on modeling for performance. And I think, I think for many listeners, it can, that can sound like somewhat of an abstract concept, though it isn't. There's a kind of a, a process that you have in place to, to, to develop that. But what's a really simple way of thinking about a model? And maybe if you have one in place for, say, being so efficient with your writing, what does that model look like? Right. So the process of modeling is really understanding the, the systems by which people do what they do. So anything that you do consistently is not by accident. You've learned, you've refined how you make a cup of coffee, how you make a phone call, how you write an email, how you choose what to watch on TV. If you, you're applying consistent processes because we're very energy efficient as animals, you could call it lazy, but I think we're very energy efficient. We're very good at taking shortcuts. We're very good at repeating and systemizing what we do, but we do it at the unconscious level. So we don't know that we're doing things consistently, but you'll see it in other people. You'll know other people whose behavior is very mm. predictable and yours is as well. The modeling process is about being able to get inside of a person's thought processes through their language, the way they structure their language and also by observing their behavior and figuring out what they're doing. And I mean, by doing that as part of corporate programs and public programs that I run, um, I've learned some amazing stuff that people that people do, you know, around 
creativity, management and leadership skills, all sorts of amazing stuff, sales skills. So to come to your point on writing, I think I'd kind of flip it around. And if I think the questions that people ask me most often, what do you do when you on a day when you don't feel like writing? And secondly, how do you overcome writer's block? And kind of, kind of two facets of the same question. Another thing that people that stops people from writing is worrying about what somebody's going to think when they read it, which comes back to what mm. I was saying earlier about judging people's facial expressions, judging their feedback. In the absence of feedback, what we will do is make feedback up. So in the absence of somebody telling you whether what you've written is good or bad, you'll make an assumption based on your past experience. So what do I do on days when I don't feel like writing? Well, on those days, I don't write. Hmm. That's the, the first thing. Because people only remember so you, you for... Don't force you, it. Exactly, don't force it. People only remember you for what you do. They don't remember you for all the other stuff around that. So we think, for example, a fireman. We think a fireman spends all their time putting out fires. They actually spend, in an ideal world, no time at all putting out fires. They spend time preventing them, and they spend a lot of time waiting. But they actually spend... So a writer actually spends very, very little time you know, tapping on the keyboard. And what we shouldn't do is is judge productivity by observable action. You know, I'm sure we've all worked in jobs where where we've had a manager who thought you're only doing something if I can see you working, you're only being productive if I can see you working. And actually that downtime in terms of the creative process and even writing non-fiction business books is still a creative process, is invaluable. You've got to have that time to allow your brain to rest and collate and pull all the loose threads of different information to remember stories from years ago that are going to be relevant, that are going to illustrate a point. And so don't don't force it and don't rush it. And the same thing for overcoming writer's block. Often the writer's block is about judging. I can't, as soon as I write something, I'm, I'm trying to look at it from the reader's perspective and think, is it good? Is anybody going to be interested? Is, any, any, is anybody going to want to read this? And the answer is, well, nobody knows until you've written it. So you've got to do something and find out. But people will not judge you based on the books you haven't written or the emails you haven't written or the jobs you haven't applied for. You'll only be judged or, or, or measured, really, or remembered by what you have done. And just produce, just create, you know, just write. If you're on LinkedIn, just write posts, write articles. Don't share other people's stuff. Just create the stuff that people don't like. They won't ever email you and say, I didn't like that post you wrote. It was rubbish. They'll just ignore it. So you'll only ever get feedback that's constructive anyway. In reality, you've got to be very high profile before really people start attacking what you're doing, what you're doing critically. And if they do, of course, at that stage, they're doing it for very different reasons. They're not trying to be helpful. They're trying to make themselves feel better by bringing you down to their level, of course. Um, so right. that's important to bear in mind as well. I mean, I think that was just an, an excellent answer to the question. And I think, you know, I've been asking people about what they might be doing with their downtime in 2020. And I hear all kinds of cool and creative stuff or I had seen um, I had seen on uh, YouTube a couple of days ago that a that a father had made for for Halloween had made for his his two young daughters this like really elaborate sort of uh, House of Horrors style like pop up in, in in their backyard and so people are doing all kinds of weird and wonderful things and learning stuff this year and and that's great but I think the sleeper hit of where you should focus your your time and energy especially if you're someone looking to advance their career who's looking for a job actually improving your writing. If there's ever a time in the world where good writing was a superpower or is a superpower, it strikes me that that time is now. 
Definitely. And um, just thinking about job searching and, and tying this back into NLP that you're asking me about. Back in the mid 90s, really, I hadn't been learning NLP very long at that point. And um, I had applied for a job. I worked in the telecoms industry then. And I really, really, really wanted to work for this company. And so I went for the interview. And I listened to the sort of uh, words that the, uh, that the hiring manager was using, particularly around sensory language. So what we mm. see and what we hear and what we feel and so on. And he was using a lot of language that was to do with talking, saying, communicating, listening, sort of auditory kind of language. I came away from the interview and within a couple of hours after the interview, I'd handwritten a thank you letter saying, I really enjoyed the interview. I really want to work with you and so on. And writing it rather than as I would, I see this and I look at this in different perspective and so on, visual words. I used more auditory words. I got the job. A few weeks after I'd, I'd uh, started, I was talking to, to, to somebody in the office um, and was asking me about the interview or where I'd come from and so on. And then he, he pointed, he said, oh, you're the guy that wrote the letter. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, that the hiring manager, his name was Andy, he said, Andy came running out of his office, waving this letter in the air, shouting, this is amazing. You've got to see this. We've got to hire this guy. Now, did the amazing knowledge of NLP make a difference? A little bit. Did sending a follow-up letter make a difference? Yes. Handwritten follow-up letter, did that make a difference? Yes. Handwritten follow-up letter, written in the guy's language, arriving the next, you know, all of these things make a difference. If you only do one of them, you're only giving yourself a tiny advantage. If you want the job that much, what else are you going to do? Go home and, you know, put the TV on and feel sorry for yourself. It, it, there are things that you know that you can do to tip the balance in your favor. Why not? Because if you really believe that you're the right person for the job, you're doing them a favor and making that decision easier for them. They've got to choose somebody. Why not you? Why would you not be equally as good right. as the other candidate? And and you're absolutely right. The ability to communicate that and express that then becomes an absolutely critical differentiator because at the point at which, certainly in the early stages of the process, the the the, the hirings, the, the the recruiters, they're not seeing your face. They're not talking to you. They're only seeing what you've written, and that can tip the balance. I think that's that's a great example of so many things. The uh proactiveness uh, initiative, the communication, really thinking about, you know, how can I present this information in a way that's most consumable and most relatable to my audience? So really kind of tailoring that message. If you've got different read for your interviewer, you know, you might have used a different approach, different language, as you point out. Peter, it's been amazing having you on the show. A lot of really valuable insight to our listeners. We'll be linking your website and some of your the books that you've written in the description about the podcast. And I'm sure any of our listeners who are keen to connect uh, will be reaching out directly. Yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd be delighted to, to hear from any listeners. And it's been uh, really terrific speaking with you today. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, Peter. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the show. For any feedback, requests or suggestions of things that we should include on upcoming shows, please drop us a line at contact at apply.io. Thanks, and we'll catch you next time. Click, start and track, your application's never write a cover letter again. 